Hi, everybody. Welcome to our online Bible Institute time. And uh, uh, it's good to spend this time with you. You know, it's a little different. I'm in my office again doing these. Uh, so you might see the cat kind of in the background from time to time that I share my office with. That's Gibson, by the way. People have asked who the who's the cat. So um, uh, we are going to continue on our study today. I thought I oh we we just hit a thousand and seventy students in our Bible Institute, which is very cool, all over the world. So we're excited about that. It's neat to be able to partner with people all over the world and to uh, to be just a part of their ministry. And so that's very encouraging. Um, we are working through uh, the Old Testament together. This is our actually our third survey of the Old Testament, and um, this is our fourth lesson in that third survey. Uh, and and I sort of called this one the prophets because we're going to be spending the sort of the bulk of the remaining time talking about the prophets. Uh, and uh, we've touched on some of them already. We've been dealing with the exile and all that the exile means. And we've we've looked at Daniel and we spent some time with Ezekiel. And uh, today I'm going to at the very end, I hope I get to introduce um, some of the minor prophets and we'll spend some time working with them. But I, I wanted to take. Uh, the bulk of this time and talk about Esther, uh, the book of Esther. Um, Esther uh, occurs um, just prior to the time of Nehemiah and um, uh, in the third year of the reign of Xerxes, one of the, the uh, -Persian, uh, Medo-Persian kings that we've been talking about. And so I thought it would be a good time to fit the book of Esther in. And uh, Esther is a great book. I'm going to read you part of it, give you a summary of the book. And then um, hopefully we'll get some time there at the end to introduce the first couple of minor prophets. So let me read from Esther chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. Uh, the Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Cush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the militaries of Persia and Media, the princes, and the nobles of the provinces were present. So, um, so he's got this big party going on. Xerxes on the on the final day of this uh, this big party, he calls for his queen, whose name is Vashti, and uh, he wants to kind of show her off in front of his guests, but uh, she refuses to appear um, before Xerxes, which uh, obviously doesn't sit very well with the king. So he disposes her, uh, forever removing her from his presence, and. Um, he deposes her. He doesn't dispose of her. I want to make sure he he did. So anyway, he just removed her from his presence. He deposed her. Uh, and then uh, he sets out on this uh, sort of big beauty pageant, if you would, to find a new queen. And um, in the process, that's how Esther is chosen for the throne. And um, her cousin Mordecai, Esther's cousin Mordecai, becomes a minor official in the Persian government of Susa. Uh, Esther was Jewish. And um, so that plays into this story. So soon after all this happens, Mordecai uncovers a plot to assassinate the king. And uh, he tells Esther uh, about it. And she reports it to Xerxes, giving credit to Mordecai. And so the plot's thwarted. And um, Mordecai's act of kindness was preserved in the chronicles of the king. Now, at the same time, the king's highest official was an evil guy named Haman. And uh, he hated the Jewish folks. He especially hated Mordecai, uh, who had refused to bow down to him. So Haman devises this scheme to ultimately have every Jewish person in Persia killed. 
And the king buys into the plot and agrees to annihilate the Jewish people on a specific day. Um, meanwhile, Mordecai learns of the plan and shares it with Esther, and he challenges her with these famous words out of Esther chapter 4, 13 and 14. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So Esther, um, she urges all of the Jewish folks to fast and to pray, to, to really, you know, get checked in there. And um, and then risking her own life, she approaches the king with a plan of her own because the, the queens were supposed to be waited to be called in and she decides to go in. And so uh, uh, she invites Xerxes and, and Haman to a banquet where eventually she reveals her Jewish heritage to the king. He wasn't aware of it. Uh, and uh, also reveals Haman's plot to have her and her people killed. And um, and so in a rage, the king orders Haman to be hung on the gallows. And, and Haman had these gallows actually built for Mordecai. And so um, there's this big change then it happens. Mordecai is promoted to Haman's high position. The Jewish people were granted protection throughout the land. And, um, and as they celebrate, there's a festival that started called Purim. And that's when, um, that, that, which is still celebrated today. That's, uh, that's where all this takes place. And, and so, you know, um, what you need to know about Purim is that even though we, we don't see it, um, uh, it's not one of the feasts that, that God prescribed uh and, and yet it has been celebrated throughout history and in fact they think it was probably the feast that's being referred to in in john chapter 5 um that the jewish that jesus was going to celebrate we, we if we get a chance we'll hit on that here in a moment but i wanted to read to you chunks of esther uh chapter 8 and then uh, out of chapter 9 so bear with me as we read together esther chapter 8 verse 7 king xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have hanged him on the gallows. Now write another decree in the king's name in behalf of the Jews, as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. At once the royal secretaries were summoned, and on the 23rd day of the third month, the month of Sivan, they wrote out, all Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, governors, and nobles of the 127 provinces stretching from India to Cush. These orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people, and also to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring, and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses especially bred for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate any armed force of any nationality or province that might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality, so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers, riding the royal horses, raced out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was also issued in the citadel of Susa. Mordecai left the king's presence, wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, and a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous, joyous celebration. 
For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city where the edict of the king went, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with fasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. So that's pretty fascinating when you think about what's happening. They, This thing had been set out. They were all going to be killed. And it's completely reversed now. And, and people are responding to this whole process. Let's keep uh, let's keep reading in Esther Esther uh, chapter nine, beginning in verse one. On the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned, and Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities and all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those seeking their destruction. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful. The Jews struck down all their enemies with a sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleaded, what they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They also killed Parshendatha, Dalphon, Aspatha, sons, uh, no, Paratha, Adalia, Eridatha, Parmashta, Erisai, Eridai, and Vezatha, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. The number of those slain in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the ton, 10 sons of Haman in the city, citadel of Susa. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? It will also be granted. If it pleases the king, Esther answered, Give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edicts tomorrow also and let Haman's 10 sons be hanged on gallows. So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they hanged the ten sons of Haman. The Jews in Susa came together on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they put to death in Susa three hundred men, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews from the king's provinces also assembled to protect themselves and get released from their enemies. They killed seventy-five thousand of them, but did not lay their hands on the plunder. This happened on the thirteenth day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th, they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. And the Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the 13th and 14th. And then on the 15th, they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. That is why rural Jews, those living in villages, observed the 14th of the month of Adar as a joy of feasting, a day giving for presents to each other. Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes near and far to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar as the time when the Jews got relief from the enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun doing what Mordecai had written to him. For Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agiite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them, and they had cast the pur, that is the lot, for their ruin and destruction. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme Haman had devised against the Jews should come back onto his own head, and he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, these days were called Purim, for the word from the word Pur, because of everything written in his lead in this letter, and because of what they had seen and what had happened to him. The Jews took it upon themselves 
to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should without fail observe these two days every year in the way described and at the time appointed. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation by every family in every province in every city. And these days of Purim should never cease to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of them die out among their descendants. So Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai, the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Xerxes, words of goodwill and assurance to establish these days of Purim at their designated times, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had decreed for them, and as they had established for themselves and their descendants in regard to their times of fasting and lamentation. And Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim, and it was written down in the records. So this feast, the Purim, as I said, is a Jewish holiday celebrated. Uh, it celebrated the deliverance of the Jews, as recorded here in the book of Esther. It's also known as the Feast of Lots, because Purim, that's the, the, the you know, the, the word for lots is there in that Pur. And um, uh, as I said, the feast isn't mentioned in the New Testament, but most people believe that in John 5, 1, they're talking about Purim. John 5, 1 says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. So we think that's what's going on with there. And, uh, you know, there's a, there was something in here as we were reading how, um, it talked about turning mourning into joy. And, uh, uh, their sorrow was turned into joy. I'm back in verse 22. And their mourning into a day of celebration. And, um, Esther always talks about, also talked about, uh, how God changed their time of um, fasting and lamentation into this other process. And I just think, you know, with everything that's going on now, uh, you know, for us, you know, we know that our enemy is in flesh and blood. And uh, and yet we have a very real enemy. And we have all these things going on right now uh, in the world around us. And uh, it's difficult. But but we need to remember that, that as we continue to press into the Lord and and even as, you know, this is difficult. Um, understanding that God is able to take these things and to turn them around and to do great things with them. And I, I believe that he will and that all that the enemy has caused uh, and, and is trying to do to uh, uh, impact the people of God, that, that God is and will and is faithful to take those things and turn them around and use them for purposes that we can't even imagine. And so as we kind of go through difficult times and, you know, all the heartache that's happening in the world right now, and you know, and really comparatively small, the frustration of being shut down and, and all that that's changing. But as we watch people going through this, this horrible disease and the deaths uh, that are taking place. But um, at some point, we, we have to know that God is able to take these times of sadness and turn them uh, and use them in, in other ways. And so. We continue to press in and, and look for that, knowing that God is the one who delivers us and keeps us safe and heals us and that he's got a plan for us and, and uh, that we can trust in him. So that's the great story of Esther. Uh, and so I'd continue to I, I'd encourage you while you have this time to read through. I, I sort of summarized it for you, but read the entire book. And, and now you sort of have an idea what's going on, that great book. So before we uh, wind down completely for the day, let me say we're, we're going to start now talking about the minor prophets. And uh, so, you know, the, the, the Bible, there's major prophets and minor prophets. And um, and so we'll we'll start, you know, talking about each one. But let's uh, go back. So so um, we're going to go sort of 
back in time a little bit um, from where we've been during the exile here. So we're, you know, we're around 400 BC. Let's let's back up to get one of the first minor prophets I want to talk about, which is Obadiah. Uh, he he, um, his writing is about 840 BC, so sort of 400 years prior to this uh, whole whole thing. And um, uh, we know about him. Um, Second Chronicles, we get some information, 17.7. In the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, uh, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanael, and Maacaiah to teach in the towns of Judah. So we, we get where he fits historically. Uh, his name actually means worshiper of Yahweh, worshiper of God. And so um, read through Obadiah, great book, um, interesting. And, and now that you have some sort of history times, uh, it's sort of... Uh, fascinating to see how these things fall into place. And then Joel is another of the minor prophets that I would encourage you to read this week. Um, he's uh, right around the same time as Obadiah, 835 B.C. Uh, Joel often refers, when you're reading through Joel, to the day of the Lord, which is a, a day of wrath for the wicked, but it's a day of celebration for the righteous. It's, you know, it's a, it's an amazing thing, the day of the Lord, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Um, and it really depends on your relationship with God to determine what that day looks like. And it's a day that we're, we're waiting for the return of the Lord. Um, perhaps one of the um, most famous passages out of Joel is Joel 2, 28 through 32. And afterward it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Uh, so there's that promise of the, the Holy Spirit being poured on us, which we know we has, has happened uh, at Pentecost. And, and now we're waiting for the return of the Lord to take place. And, and so, you know, those are exciting sort of things to read about and see how they fit into everything that's going on in our lives. Anyway, that's, a, that's enough for this lesson um, but start your reading in the Minor Prophets, and uh, we'll continue to talk about them and get back there and read the book of Esther. And uh, and so, you know, I'm praying for all of you. God bless you and uh, look forward to spending some time with you here uh, in, in, uh, in the next lesson. And uh, I'll be praying for you until then. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.